you're listening to Journey by Faith, the official podcast of Faith Bible College in Norfolk, Virginia. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Here we go. Right. Dr. Newman and I are live in person together today. Usually re- we record this remotely, and uh, that comes with all kinds of uh, you know fun technology things to figure out, because uh, usually I'm here at uh, Hampton Christian Academy, where we've taught uh, dual enrollment classes for the last—this uh, is our fifth year doing that, uh, and I'm usually here teaching uh, most of the time, and Dr. Newman's down at our office in Norfolk. Uh, but today we're both uh, together live, and that is, we're excited to do that. We are, yes. It's nice to be here. Absolutely. So we've got a great show for you today. We are continuing in Genesis, and as we have been doing, we're taking it nice and slow, making sure we understand what God's Word is teaching us. Uh, So we are in verse 14 of Genesis chapter 1, and we are talking about the uh, next three days of creation, days 4 through 6. So uh, this is where we are. So far, I'll give us a quick recap uh, we have talked about days one through three, where God has uh, solved the problem of the world being formless, or some people might say in chaos and disorder. God has brought order to those things and brought them together. So in these next four days, if I uh, am reading correctly, it looks like God is going to fix the problem of the world being void or uh, without uh, anything in it. He's going to fill this world that he's created now. Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. First three days, he forms the earth. And then the next few days, he fills the earth or the universe as well as the case may right. be. Yeah, so. and we're going to see that. As, when you're talking universe, we're going to see that right here uh, just from this first uh, verse we're looking at. Verse 14, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens uh, to separate the day from the night. Let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And that's in the middle of a sentence, but there's a lot there. So... <laughs> Just going to go ahead and uh, um, I might I, a question I might have about this. Uh, obviously, they're separating the day from the night. Um, but how about this thing where it's talking about what does it mean for signs and seasons? What do we what do you think that means too? Well, we know that uh, for centuries we have designated time by means of the lights, um, by means of the sun, the moon, the the stars. And so we calculate days uh, based upon the, the number of hours of light. We calculate weeks in the same way and months. Some cultures celebrate a solar month, uh, but most uh, celebrate a lunar month, right, yeah. which is based upon the phases of the moon. And we know that navigators... Uh, both at sea and on land, have been using the stars as a way to guide them for for years and years. Yep. And you know, living in Alaska, uh, I can tell you, you know, we we could see the the Big Dipper rather clearly there, and with a wow. good good picture of the Northern Star. That was always a a good way of of figuring out exactly where you were. Right. So. Yep. Yeah, so that's that's what God's talking about here. The sun, the moon, and the stars are meant to separate the days, the months, and the and the years. Right. And we've done that, like I said, for centuries. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I definitely, obviously, see that. You know, you 
don't ever really even think about. You know, I started thinking about the calendar and the uh, time and all of that when you were talking about that, and it, you know, I, it just kind of becomes second nature, right? You yeah. don't even think about, oh yeah, that is all set to that, you know. And when you really stop and think about it, it's like, wow, those things, you know, we don't just pick random time. It's like a day is because that's how long it. Uh, obviously, in what we know about uh, the universe now, how long it takes for the Earth to rotate. Right. Um, ancient uh, people would have ha- saw it a different way, but still the same thing was happening either way. Exactly. The same thing was happening. And yeah. and not only that, but as we look at Genesis, you know, we see a, a seven-day week, yeah. which, again, throughout the centuries and in just about every culture, uh, we see uh, an adherence to a seven-day week. Yep. And, you know, when you ask scientists, you know, why is that? There's no real response. Hmm. You know, a day, yeah, it's yep. how long it takes the earth to revolve. A, right. a month based upon the faces of the moon. Mm-hmm. A year, how long it takes the earth to rotate around the sun. Right. But a week hmm. being yeah. seven days, there, there, there's, there's no explanation for that there is no scientific explanation is there right wow yeah right hmm that is interesting see again something you never really stopped and and thought about so uh this this is where we find the seven day week it's right here genesis one why do we have a seven day week this is why right exactly that is wow yeah i had never thought about that so uh when uh so god not only is creating these uh bodies of light in the sky but he's also setting them. So I think, obviously, what we've been saying, uh, these are being set there for uh, one purpose, at least, is to set the signs, the season, and the times. So he's establishing a couple of things here, I think, through that. Yes, yes. Uh, And again, we know through astronomy that, you know, the stars and and the Earth uh, revolve and rotate in such a way that, it's very easy to see the passage of time right. uh, by looking at the stars. Yep. So that is amazing. No, that's fascinating. You know, and again, you know, this is a word I've read my whole life. I feel like, and uh, just sitting down and looking at it in this way, you know, you always learn something. You know, I'm thankful that the word uh, does that for us. We can always learn something new and see it a different way. Amen. Yep. Amen. Uh, as it goes on, it says, and, uh, you know, continuing the, se- the same sentence here, uh, and let them be as lights, be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. So this part just gives the second purpose, it looks like, for uh, these lights that were put in place. Yes, to provide light upon the earth. And, yep. you know, at one time, uh, science saw the... Uh, the universe as centering around the earth. Right. And then, of course, uh, you know, science realized that, no, at least our universe, our galaxy, centers around the sun. Mm -hmm. But what we see here in Genesis is that it it really did, at least for that first creation week, center around the earth. Hmm. Um, You know, we see that the earth is in place along with the land and the and the water and the atmosphere before there are any stars in the mm-hmm. sky. Right. So uh, the Earth was kind of at the center, if you will. Right. Uh, but now we know that you know the way that God planned it. It's a what we call a heliocentric, right. with the sun at the center of our galaxy. Yeah. Yeah, and I you know I feel like and again I am speaking. Um, 
off the top of my head, so I might be getting some of these facts wrong. But I feel like there have been some ancient astronomers who put out this idea that the Earth was not the center of the universe. And what? And again, I'm maybe getting these facts wrong, so I'm sorry. But uh, did they not uh, kind of get in trouble with the church for that? For oh, thinking they that? did. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. So uh, Copernicus and mm-hmm. and others that came along and proposed uh, the theory of helio- heliocentricity with the sun at the center mm-hmm. uh, were originally condemned by the church. Right. Yeah. So it is interesting to think about that. You know. Uh, that at a time when, you know, you, people would probably say, hey, look at the text, you know, the earth is the center. To say otherwise was heresy. It's interesting how that has changed today. But the, again, still the word of God hasn't changed. Right. Right. Like right. you said, yeah, it, as the earth is being created, it appears that um, there's a focus on the earth being the center of things and right. things being created around it. But the fact that we now see that, you know, obviously the sun, earth revolves around the sun, doesn't change what God's word says, right? Exactly. You know, it's our understanding that's changed, not the, the word. And one thing, you know, good point that you brought out there is that we need to understand as we look at the word of God, there's a difference between looking at it from a narrative perspective and from a normative perspective. Mm, okay. And uh, Genesis, especially you know, the first few chapters are narrative. They're telling right. a story. Um, and because it's narrative, it's not necessarily normative. In other mm. words, we can't say, well, it happened that way then, so it's happening uh, that way now, right. and it will always happen that way. Okay. Uh, you know, we would never look at other stories mm-hmm. like Abraham uh, being told to sacrifice his son Isaac and say, <laughs> right. well, that's normative for today. Right. God yeah. tells each of us to sacrifice our children. Right. You know, that, that would be ludicrous. Yeah. And so, you know, uh, again, a broader understanding of even the interpretation of Scripture as time has gone on to say, okay, look, Genesis was narrative, but it's not normative. Okay. The the Catholic Church in the Middle Ages took it to be normative and said, well, the earth is the center of the universe. Gotcha. But that's not the proper interpretation, nor mm-hmm. what God is trying to say. Got it. Yeah. So it is. it was describing what happened at one time. It was telling a story, like you said. And doesn't mean that it conti- right okay so it doesn't mean it continues to be uh, what it, how it is just what it was at that time that yes. makes sense okay yes yeah no yes. that's very helpful good good and and notice he goes on here uh, and you know as you said he it brings light to the earth and and it was so and then yep. in verse sixteen and God made the two great lights the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. And the stars, yeah, and it's almost as if the the stars are presented here as a second thought. You know, hmm. yeah, uh, we got the sun and the moon. Why? Well, because we're looking at this from the perspective of the Earth. When Moses wrote this, he was writing this to the people of Israel, who okay. were yep. obviously living on Earth and always had and always will be. So to expect Moses or the people of Israel or anybody at that time to think from a universal perspective would be asking way too much. Mm -hmm. They're only going to see the world 
as it revolves around them and the earth, and that's how God uh, designed it, and that's right. how Moses wrote it. Yeah. Uh, again, not writing a scientific textbook. Right, yeah. But saying, hey, look, now, you know, are the stars an afterthought? Well, no. Uh, you know, again, another book to look at to get a good view of creation is the book of Job. Mm-hmm. And to see that, you know, God has named all the stars and knows where all of them are. And to think of the universe as, you know, the design of God is just incredible. Yep. A- again, you know, living in Alaska for a number of years seeing the stars, it was like you could reach out and touch them. Wow, yeah, you know? I bet that's amazing. So yeah. so clear, so beautiful. And then, you know, God would even show off with the aurora borealis, oh, sure. yeah. the, the northern lights. But, you know, um, and I'm not a professional or even an amateur astronomer, but what I do know about astronomy is just mind-blowing mm-hmm. as to what God has done with a number of, of universes that are out there and the millions and the billions of stars and uh, what we've discovered through the Hubble telescope and other more modern ones to show us the expansiveness of what God has done. And, you know, when you think about it that way, if there is no life outside of Earth, Mm God did all of this for his pleasure, but also for us right. as well yes. to, to enjoy and to be amazed. Us on it, this tiny blue speck right in the middle of a vast universe, yes. Yeah, yeah. It's and, crazy, yeah. And, and, you know, you mentioned that tiny blue speck. I was just thinking about a video uh, out there by Louis Giglio mm, yeah. called How Great Is Our God? Yep. And wonderful video and i would encourage our audience to watch it if they can uh he he talks about many of the wonders of the universe and the size of the earth and how many millions of earths would fit just inside of our sun and how compared to other stars our sun is kind of a um tiny yep and puny uh and so again as the psalmist would say, the heavens declare the glory of God. And, and here they were on the fourth day without man or even beast to appreciate them. Yep. Only, I know. according to Job, only the angels could rejoice. And, and what a show that must have been. Job tells us that the, the angels, the morning stars, as he called them, rejoiced. And, you know, celebrated uh, as they saw God uh, doing this. And, you know, the closest thing I can think of is watching a fireworks yeah. display mm, and yeah. our oohs and our awls. But, man, what, what a show it must have been for the angels as God created this. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I found that video uh, for us. I'll put it in the show notes for our listeners to find that video by Louis Giglio. I agree. That is one of my favorites. Um, but I agree. What a show uh, this must have been. Yeah. I um, was thinking as you were reading this about the uh, great lights 
uh, and how he described them. You know, God didn't uh, describe things that were over people's heads, like you said. Yeah, they sp- he spoke to them in the way that they would understand, right? right? And so he's not, you know, giving this, like you said, not giving this scientific lecture where he's saying, well, you know, you look at the earth and it looks like this. But really what's happening is he doesn't do that right. because that's not his purpose, right? right. Uh, his purpose is he speaks to people where they are so that they can understand it and understand who he is. Exactly. And, and, and a great point, because some have, you know, been cynical and said, well, you know, it says God made two great lights, but yet we know that the moon doesn't produce light of right. its own. Mm-hmm. So that's incorrect. No, God is using language that people understand. Exactly. That's and, right. Yep. you know, you stand out there on the night of a full moon mm-hmm. and... It sure appears like that moon has light, exactly, even though yeah. scientifically we know better. Right, yeah. And, I mean, I, it, it, to me, it seems crazy to think God would have said, well, you know, actually, that moon up there, you know, it doesn't really. It just reflects. I mean, what, what, to me, what good does that do for God to say that right. to people who have, don't have that understanding? So, right. again, yeah, like you said, we are uh, using Genesis to, as a window to look through and see God. Exactly. As you said in our first episode. So that's what we're doing here. And I think that's fascinating. So, right. Yes. Um, and, yeah, as it goes on here, it says, God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and separate the light from the darkness. Uh, and I feel like this verse just is summing it up. And it says, God saw that it was good, and there was evening and morning the fourth day. Yes. So we get through the fourth day. God has created uh, the sun, moon, and stars. And we go on to the fifth day. So now... Uh, God has uh, filled the skies, and now he's going to fill the waters. So he says, uh, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. Now, again, uh, we're talking about the air and the waters. Uh, We would call the seas because that's what happened on day two, right? Right. Yes, day two, where he separated the waters from the waters, meaning the sky from the uh, from the seas and things like that. So we see God now filling these two uh, areas of his creation. Right. And so you, you notice uh, again, so in verse 21, so God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm. Notice again here that this goes directly against what evolution teaches. Mm. You know, stating that, well, everything began as a single-cell amoeba-type animal and evolved to become multi-cell and then, you know, eventually would grow. But here we're told that God created the great sea creatures, Hmm. uh, whatever they were or whatever they might still be today. And, you know, part of this is something that is at least interesting to me to wonder and consider if some of these great sea creatures might still be around, Hmm. you know, Uh, maybe not as prevalent as what they were years ago, but, you know, in the book of Job, he talks about uh, Leviathan. Uh, Right. And what is that? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It doesn't look like any, as he describes it there, doesn't look like anything we have today. Uh, and he also talks about behemoth on the earth, which doesn't look like anything we have today. Right. Uh, but, you know, and we, you know, you've probably heard the stories of, you know, fishermen catching all kinds of strange mm, yep. things out there. Uh, so it just, it just makes you wonder, 
You know, when I was in high school, I got the chance to go to Scotland on a missions trip, and we didn't quite make it up to Loch Ness. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I wanted to go there because, you know, yeah, sure, maybe get to see the Loch Ness Monster. Maybe. And, yeah. you know, is there something there? Uh, who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, I just looked up because uh, I've heard that we haven't explored much of the ocean, that humans have not explored much of the ocean. So I looked it up and uh, it says that only 5% of the world's oceans have been explored. That's mm. crazy to me. They say, It says here we've mapped roughly 20% of the ocean, but we've only physically seen or been to only 5%, leaving 95% of our own ocean on this planet unexplored. That's, That's crazy incredible. Yeah. I, I had not heard that statistic. That- yeah. So That's who knows what's out there? Like yeah. you said, who knows? Yeah. yeah. And you know, it, the 5% that we've explored is not the deep part. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You know, because yep. we haven't created or made a uh, machinery that can go down that deep yet. Yeah. Right. So, uh, yeah, it's amazing. And, you know, I, I love to watch the documentaries about the oceans and so forth. And they are just phenomenal yeah. in, in the life that that teams within them. Right. And that's what God is making here. So, uh, and and all the creatures that move within them. And again, notice, according to their kinds, as we saw last week, within a certain reproductive boundary, Mm -hmm. not willy-nilly everything reproducing with each other. Right. Yeah, I, not not to always bring up something I've heard in the news, but it is interesting. I think there was a uh, there was a stingray in a zoo somewhere. See again, I just speak off the top of my head. I did no research for this. Um, I just heard it on the news. Uh, there's a stingray at a zoo that is uh, mysteriously pregnant with no males around. Mm. Um, so some people were speculating well, there was a shark or something that impregnated the stingray, <laughs> and the zoo came out and said, "No, there's no way they're not closely related enough." Right. So again, science affirms that too. Like you ha- things have to be closely related in order to reproduce. Animal, you know, creatures, sea creatures, anything like that. You know, they have to be. So it's still a mystery at this right. point. But right. you know, they came out and said, you know, this is not that's not possible simply. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you know, just going along with that story, that makes people think, well, how did that happen? Mm-hmm. Well, we know that there are certain species of frogs that are able to reproduce on their own. Yep. Uh, that was like the whole plot line of Jurassic Park. Yeah, yeah, kind of. <laughs> so, uh, but, and you say, well, does not contradict the Bible. No, it's still within its kind. Yeah, right, to exactly. Kind. Yep, without a doubt. Yeah, and who's, yeah. you know, I, I feel like when I hear that, I'm like, who am I to tell God what his creatures can't do? Right. Right, you know? <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, so exactly. I mean, if, if they can, cool, that must be how God made them. So, yeah. Um, you know, just thinking about just the terrifying nature of the this ocean and how it's been unexplored, I think that leads us uh, nicely into uh, this next part where God had, on day three, separated a place for us to live, yes. the land. And so he begins filling that land as well, because without that land, you know, the, there's nowhere for humanity, and there's nowhere for these creatures of uh, these livestock and creeping things, it says. So uh, verse 24 goes on and says, let the earth bring forth... Uh, living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. Again, we see that repeated theme, things being according to their kind, God said, and it was so. Right. If we go back just a minute, though, to verse uh, 22, Mm -hmm. God commands the creatures of the sea. He blessed them 
and said, be fruitful and multiply yes. and fill mm-hmm. the waters and the seas. And they did. And the birds multiplied upon the earth. Right. So once again, we've got uh, birds before uh, dinosaurs. Mm, yeah. So the, sure. Yeah. You know, and, and if you've ever watched Jurassic Park, the <laughs> first one, you know, at the very end, uh, as they're flying out in the helicopter, the you know, there's a little uh, suggestion there as they see these birds mm. flying past, and they're like, "Oh yeah, that's what happens to the dinosaurs. Mm. They became birds." Right. But here, mm, no, the Bible yeah. says otherwise. So yeah, and and they filled the earth, and so then, as you said, you know, God takes that, separates the creatures of the water which are amazing creatures right. in and of themselves, uh, adapted just to live in that uh, you know, sphere, and then uh, he begins to fill the earth yep. with animals. It's already been filled with plants. Uh, he did that back before. Right, that was on now, day three. Yep. animals, creatures come along. Yep. And is, so when, sometimes when we hear the word earth, you know, it can mean two things. It can mean um, just the globe as we see it, the whole mm-hmm. earth. and Or it could just mean like what's underneath of it, the ground, the dirt. The ground. So this is more talking the land, right? Yes. That's what It doesn't mean the earth is in the globe. It's talking about, you know, when it says earth here in Genesis, we're talking the land. Yes. Yeah. And it all depends upon the context. Absolutely. And yes. the context here certainly points to it being the land, not the earth as a, as a, as a planet. And so, yeah, and the translators understood that, right? Which is why they did not capitalize yep, Earth, exactly, right? Uh, which, if we're talking about the planet, it should be capitalized, exactly. Yep. Yeah, mine has it uh, lowercase e for Earth as well. Yep. Yes. So that's good. Yeah, that's helpful to know and understand because you know words just have different you know meanings in our minds than it would have to. The early readers. So, yeah, I just think it's important. You know, I say we're talking about the land here. Yeah. So right. that's good. Yep. Um, so he, let's see, verse 25. He made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Now, it's interesting here is that uh, day six is not over when right. he says it was good. So all of that is good, but that's not the end of day six. It's not the end. But... Let me point something out here, because some people will look at verse 25 and say, okay, God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds. And you say, well, why the distinction? Livestock here is the idea of domesticated animals, or at right. least animals that uh, would become domesticated, Okay, yep. uh, as opposed to the beasts, which are more wild, um, which are, you know, just things that would not make good pets. uh, Right. Let's put (laughs) it that way. Sure. You know, uh, again, up in Alaska, we had a little uh, joke that, not joke, I don't know what you call it, but, you know, you ask, what's the difference between a caribou and a reindeer? Mm. And the answer is a fence. (laughs) That's funny, yeah. Because that the caribou yeah. is wild, right. but a reindeer is the exact same species, but yeah. it's domesticated. Hmm, yeah. So, um, yeah, so God creates animals that can be domesticated, uh, thankfully, 
yeah. uh, because they'll come into play later on uh, when man comes along and man is told to subdue the earth. Right. And he does so by using the animals that God created. And, you know, there are just certain animals man does not use right. to, for farm work or for anything else. Yeah. You know? Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah. You're not going to ride a hippopotamus. In fact, you're not even going to ride a moose. You can try, <laughs> but it's not a good idea. Right, yeah. So God distinguished from the very beginning the different types uh, of animals. So um, now, while we're on here about the animals, let me throw out this, uh, this idea. All right. And... <clears throat> What we are going to notice here as we go on is that it appears as if these animals are all vegetarian in nature. Right, okay. Yeah. Um, from what we can find in chapters 1, 2, and 3. Okay. And uh, so even the animals are um, not carnivorous at this time, it would appear. And one of the reasons why I make that observation is because according to Romans chapter 5, up until the time that Adam and Eve sinned, there's no death. Right. And so... Yes, right. Okay, yep. If the animals are hunting and eating each other, well, obviously there's death involved there. Mm-hmm. So, um, but a question that's been posed is, well... Uh, what about the quote-unquote bad things like fangs, hmm. venom, yeah. claws? Uh, you know, obviously, if these animals are not hunting and killing and eating each other, uh, would they need fangs? Would they need venom? To uh, Would they need defense mechanisms like claws or even offensive Mm -hmm. Uh, in many cases. And so, you know, scholars have speculated, you know, did they come about as a result of the fall? Hmm. Uh, Or were they simply there but dormant? Or, you know, what's going on in this case? And I think the answer is, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Sure, yeah. Is it now? I guess, is one possible interpretation. Now, obviously, you know, there's any number. If we're not told explicitly, it's one possible interpretation from Romans five is that it was death for humans, and maybe death. Or do you think that that's not a good way to interpret what's going on here? Well, I look at it, and it says, you know, as the result of one man's sin, death came into the world. So sure. yeah, right. That seems to point to me, mm-hmm. and, and I know that there are scholars out there that disagree with me. Sure, yeah. and. Uh, but some of those that disagree and allow death before sin simply do so for the sake of science. Right, yeah. You They're know? not taking the text seriously. They're right. trying to line and, it up with science again. And yeah. I say that because one of the greatest evidences uh, scientifically for evolution and for the age of the earth, as they call it, is fossil evidence. Right, yep. And, you know... Really, when you come right down to it, what's a fossil? Well, right. a fossil is something that's dead that's covered up in dirt, right? Yep, you know? right. And so if there is no death before sin, as Romans 5.12 tells us, then 
there there is no fossil evidence yep. prior to the fall right. of man. So, um, it, it, you know, and I've had some say, well, what about plants? Well, sure, plants are alive, but we've always separated between the animal kingdom and the right. plant kingdom, uh, animal, vegetable, and mineral. And, mm, yep. you know, sure, there are those out there today that would talk about killing plants and climate mm-hmm. change and, yep. you know, and all of that. Um, but plants lack certain elements that other creatures do have. Uh, and so, like a soul. Right. And so, yep. you know, and and I've never seen a vegetarian uh, become upset because they had to eat, um, you know, vegetables as right. if they're killing that, 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 that poor vegetable. Sure. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's a good point. Well, we have uh, up next in the text, we have a huge topic of the uh, creation of man, especially uh, the Imago Dei. Man being uh, made in God's image. So uh, we will wrap it up right there, talking about days four through six, and we will pick it up next time talking about God's creation of man. Amen. All right. Thanks for being here today. And thanks. Thank you. Thanks, everyone out there, for joining us, and we will see you next time.